CD3. Oh, lesser wizards warn us that a hiver distorts the mind of its host, curdling it and inevitably causing an early death through brain fever. I say poppycock. People have always been afraid of what they do not understand. But I have understanding. This morning at two o'clock, I captured a hiver with my device, and now it is locked inside my head. I can sense its memories, the memories of every creature it has inhabited. Yet, because of my superior intellect, I control the hiver. It does not control me. I do not feel that it has changed me in any way. My mind is as extraordinarily powerful as it has always been. At this point, the writing is smudgy, apparently because Bustle was beginning to drool. Oh, how they have held me back over the years, those worms and cravens that have through sheer luck been allowed to call themselves my superiors. They laughed at me, but they are not laughing now. Even those who called themselves my friends, oh, yes, they did nothing but hinder me. What about the warnings, they said? Why did the jar you found the plans in have the words do not open under any circumstances? Engraved in fifteen ancient languages on the lid, they said. Cowards! So-called chums! Creatures inhabited by a hiver become paranoid and insane, they said. Hivers cannot be controlled, they squeaked. Do any of us believe this for one minute? <laughs> what glories await! Now I have cleansed my life of such worthlessness. And as for those even now having the disrespect... Yes, disrespect to hammer on my door, just because of what I did to the so-called arch-chancellor and the college council. How dare they judge me? Like all insects, they have no concept of greatness. I will show them. But I insulips blit hammering did George Flick. And there the writing ends. On a little card beside the book, some wizard of former times has written... All that could be found of Professor Bustle was bedded in a jar in the old rose garden. We advise all research students to spend some time there and reflect upon the manner of his death. The moon was on the way to being full. A gibbous moon, it's called. It's one of the duller phases of the moon and seldom gets illustrated. The full moon and the crescent moon get all the publicity. Rob anybody sat alone on the mound just outside the fake rabbit hole, staring at the distant mountains where the snow on the peaks gleamed in the moonlight. A hand touched him lightly on the shoulder. "'Tis not like you to let someone creep up on you, Rob Anybody," said Jeanie, sitting down beside him. Rob Anybody sighed. "'Daft Woolly was telling me you haven't been eating your meals,' said Jeanie carefully. Rob Anybody sighed. "'And Big Yan said that when you was out hunting today, you let a fox go past without giving it a good kick in.' Rob sighed again. There was a faint pop followed by a glugging noise. Jeanie held out a tiny wooden cup. In her other hand was a small leather bottle. Fumes from the cup wavered in the air. "'This is the last of the special sheep liniment your big wee hag gave us at our wedding,' said Jeanie. "'I put it safely by for emergencies.' "'She's no my big wee hag, Jeanie,' said Rob, without looking at the cup. "'She's our big wee hag, and I'll tell you, Jeanie, she has it in her to be the hag of hags.' There's power in her she does not dream of, but the hiver smells it. Ay, well, a drink's a drink, whomsoever you call her, said Jeanie soothingly. She waved the cup under Rob's nose. He sighed and looked away. Jeanie stood up quickly. Wooly, big yarn, come quick, she yelled. He will not take a drink. I think he's dead. 
Ah, this is no the time for strong liquor, said Robinibody. My heart is heavy, woman. Quickly now, Jeanie shouted down the hall. He's deed and talking. She's the hag of these hills, said Rob, ignoring her, just like her granny. She tells the hills what they are every day. She has them in her bones. She holds them in her heart. Without her, I dinna like to think of the future. The other feagles had come scudding out the hole and were looking uncertainly at Jeanie. Is something wrong? said Daft Woolly. Aye, snapped the kelder. Rob will not tack a drink of special sheep liniment. Woolly's little face screwed up in instant grief. Ach, the big man's deed, he sobbed. Oh, weely, weely, weely. Will yer hush yer gob, you big muddlin? shouted Rob, anybody standing up. I am no deed. I'm trying to have a moment of existential dread here, right? Grievance, it's a poor lookout. If a man canna feel the chilly winds of fate lashing around his nerves, without folks telling him his deed, eh? Ah, can you see you've been talking to the toad again, Rob? said Big Yan. He's the only one around here that used them lang words attack all day to walk the length of. He turned to Jeanie. It's a bad case of the thinking he's caught, missus. When a man starts messing with a reading and a writing, then he'll come doon with a dose of the thinking soon enough. I'll fetch some of the lads, and we'll hold his heed under water until he stops doing it. Tis the only cure. It can kill a man, the thinking. I'll wallop you and ten like you, yelled Rob anybody in Big Yan's face, raising his fists. I'm the big man in this clan, and... And I am the Kelder, said their Kelder. And one of the hidlins of Keldering is to use your voice like that, hard, cold, sharp, cutting the air like a dagger of ice. And I tell you men to go back doon the hole, and dinna show your faces back up here until I say, Not you, Rob anybody, Feagle. You stay here until I tell you. Oh, Willy, Willy, Daft Willy began, but Big Yan clapped a hand over his mouth and dragged him away quickly. When they were alone, and scraps of cloud were beginning to mass around the moon, Rob anybody hung his head. I will na go, Jeanie, if ye say, he said. Ach, Rob, Rob, said Jeanie, beginning to cry. Ye dinna understand. I want no harm to come to the big wee girl, truly I don't. But I canna face thinking of you out there fighting this monster that canna be killed. It's you I'm worried about, can you no see? Rob put his arm around her. Aye, I see, he said. I'm your wife, Rob, asking you not to go. Aye, aye, I'll stay, said Rob. Jeanie looked up to him. Tears shone in the moonlight. You mean it? I never break my word yet, said Rob. Except a policeman and others of that kidney you can, and they dinna count. You'll stay. You'll abide by my word, said Jeanie, sniffing. Rob sighed. Aye, I will. Jeanie was quiet for a while, and then said, in the sharp, cold voice of a kelder, Rob, anybody feagle, I'm telling you now to go and save the big wee hag. What? said Rob, anybody, amazed. Just knew you said I was to stay. That was as your wife, Rob. Now I'm telling you as your kelder. Jeanie stood up, chin out, and looked determined. If you dinna heed the word of your kelder, Rob, anybody feagle, you can be banished from the clan. You can that. So you'll listen to me good. Tack what men you need afore it's too late, and go to the mountains, and see that the big wee girl comes to Naharam, and come back safe yourself. That is an order. Nay, 
"'Tis more than an order. "'Tis a geese I'm laying on you that cannot be brick. "'But act,' Rob began, completely bewildered. "'I'm the Kelda, Rob,' said Jeanie. "'I cannot run a clan with the big man pining, "'and the hills of our children need their hag. "'Everyone knows the land needs someone to tell it what it is.' "'There was something about the way Jeanie had said children. "'Rob anybody was not the fastest of thinkers, "'but he always got there in the end.' "'Aye, Rob,' said Jeanie, seeing his expression. "'Soon I'll be birthing seven sons.' "'Oh,' said Rob anybody. "'He didn't ask how she knew the number. "'Kelders just knew. "'That's great,' he said. "'And one daughter, Rob.' "'Rob blinked. "'A daughter? This soon?' "'Aye,' said Jeanie. "'That's wonderful good luck for a clan,' said Rob. "'Aye.' "'So you've got something to come back safe to me for, Rob, anybody, "'and I beg you to use your heed for something other than nutting folk.' "'I thank you, Kelder,' said Rob, anybody. "'I'll do as you bid. "'I'll tack some lads and find the big wee hag for the good of the hills. "'It canna be a good life for the poor wee big wee thing, "'all alone and far fra home among strangers.' "'Aye,' said Jeanie, turning her face away. "'I ken that too.' Chapter 4. The P.L.N. At dawn, Rob Anybody, watched with awe by his many brothers, wrote the word P.L.N. on a scrap of paper bag. Then he held it up. Plan, ye ken, he said to the assembled feagles. Now we have a plan. All we got to do is work out what to do. Yes, Wooly. What was that about this geese Jeanie Hitcher with? "'said Daft Woolly, lowering his hand. "'Not geese, geese,' said Rob anybody. "'He sighed. "'I told yous. "'That means it's serious. "'It means I got to bring back the big wee hag, "'and no excuses. "'Otherwise my soul geese slam bang into the big cludgy in the sky. "'It's like a magical order. "'Tis a heavy thing to be under a geese.' "'Well, they're big birds,' said Daft Woolly. "'Woolly,' said Rob patiently, "'You can I said I would tell you when there was times "'you should have kept your big gob shut.' "'Aye, Rob. "'Weel, that was one of them times.' "'He raised his voice. "'Now, lads, you can all about hivers. "'They canna be killed. "'But tis our duty to save the big wee hag, "'so this is like a suicide mission, "'and you'll probably all end up back in the land of the living "'doing a boring wee job. "'So I'm asking for volunteers.' Every feagle over the age of four automatically put his hand up. "'Oh, come on!' said Rob. "'You cannot all come. "'Look, I'll take uh, Daft Woolly, Big Yan, and you, awfully wee Billy Big Chin. "'And I'm no taking no weans. "'So if you're under three inches high, you're not coming. Uh, "'Except for ye, of course, awfully wee Billy. "'As for the rest of yous, we'll settle this the traditional feagle way. "'I'll tack the last fifty men still standing.' He beckoned the chosen three to a place in the corner of the mound while the rest of the crowd squared up cheerfully. A feagle liked to face enormous odds all by himself because it meant you didn't have to look where you were hitting. "'She's more than a hundred miles away,' said Rob as the big fight started. "'We cannot run it. Tis too far. Any of your scunners got any ideas?' "'Hamish can get there on his buzzard,' said Big Yan, stepping aside as a cluster of punching, kicking feagles rolled past. "'Aye, and he'll come wi' us.' "'But he cannot take more than one passenger,' shouted Rob over the din. "'Can we swim it?' 
said Daft Woolly, ducking as a stunned feagle hurtled over his head. The others looked at him. Swim it! How can we swim there for here, Dafty? said Robinibody. It's just worth considering, that's all, said Woolly, looking hurt. I was trying to make a contribution, ye ken. Just wanted to show willing. The big wee hag left in a cart, said Big Yan. Aye, so what? said Rob. Well, maybe we could. Ach, no, said Rob. Shoon ourselves to hags is one thing, but not to other folks. You remember what happened a few years back when Daft Woolly got spotted by that lady who was painting the pretty pictures doon in the valley? I didn't want to have them folklore society big jobs poking around again. I have an idea, Mr. Rob. It's me, awfully wee Billy Big Chin MacFeagle. We could disguise ourselves. Awfully wee Billy Big Chin MacFeagle always announced himself in full. He seemed to feel that if he didn't tell people who he was, they'd forget about him and he'd disappear. When you're half the size of most grown pixies, you're really short, much shorter, and you'd be a hole in the ground. He was the new Gonegal. A Gonegal is the clan's bard and battle poet, but they don't spend all their lives in the same clan. In fact, they're a sort of clan all by themselves. Gonegals move around among the other clans, making sure the songs and stories get spread around all the feagles. Awfully wee Billy had come with Genie from the Long Lake clan, which often happens. He was very young for a Gonegal, but as Jeannie had said, there was no age limit to Gonegling. If the talent was in you, you Gonegald, and awfully wee Billy knew all the songs and could play the mouse pipes so sadly that outside it would start to rain. Aye, lad, said Rob anybody kindly. Speak up then. Can we get hold of some human clothes? said awfully wee Billy. "'because there's an old story about the big feud "'between the Three Peaks clan and the Windy River clan, "'and the Windy River boys escaped by making a tatty bogle walk, "'and the men of Three Peaks thought it was a big job "'and kept out of its way.' "'The others looked puzzled, and awfully wee Billy remembered "'that they were men of the chalk "'and had probably never seen a tatty bogle. "'A scarecrow,' he said. "'It's like a big job made of sticks, with clothes on, "'for to frighten away the birdies for the crops. "'Now the song says... The Windy River's Kelder used magic to make it walk, but I reckon it was done by cunning and strength. He sang about it, and they listened. He explained how to make a human that would walk. They looked at one another. It was a mad, desperate plan, which was very dangerous and risky, and would require tremendous strength and bravery to make it work. But like that, they agreed to it instantly. Tiffany found that there was more than chores in the research, though. There was what Mrs. Level called filling what's empty and emptying what's full. Usually only one of Miss Level's bodies went out at a time. People thought Miss Level was twins, and she made sure they continued to do so. But she found it a little bit safer all around to keep the bodies apart. Tiffany could see why. You only had to watch both of Miss Level when she was eating. The bodies would pass plates to one another without saying a word. Sometimes they'd eat off one another's forks and it was rather strange to see one person burp and the other one say, Oops, pardon me. Filling what's empty and emptying what's full meant wandering around the local villages and the isolated farms and mostly doing medicine. There were always bandages to change or expectant mothers to talk to. Witches did a lot of midwifery, which is a kind of emptying what's full, but Miss Level, wearing her pointy hat, had only to turn up at a cottage for other people to suddenly come visiting by sheer accident. And there was an awful lot of gossip and tea-drinking. 
Miss Level moved in a twitching, living world of gossip, although Tiffany noticed that she picked up a lot more than she passed on. It seemed to be a world made up entirely of women, but occasionally, out in the lanes, a man would strike up a conversation about the weather and, somehow, by some sort of code, an ointment or a potion would get handed over. Tiffany couldn't quite work out how Miss Level got paid. Certainly the basket she carried filled up more than it emptied. They'd walk past a cottage and a woman would come scurrying out with a fresh-baked loaf or a jar of pickles, even though Miss Level hadn't stopped there. But they'd spend an hour somewhere else stitching up the leg of a farmer who'd been careless with an axe and get a cup of tea and a stale biscuit. It didn't seem fair. "'Oh, it evens out,' said Miss Level as they walked on through the woods. "'You do what you can. People give what they can when they can. Old Slabwick there with the leg, he's as mean as a cat.' "'but there'll be a big cut of beef on my doorstep before the week's end. "'You can bet on it. His wife'll see to that. "'And pretty soon people will be killing their pigs for the winter, "'and I'll get more brawn, ham, bacon and sausages turning up "'than a family could eat in a year. "'You will? What do you do with all that food?' "'Store it,' said Miss Level. "'But you... I store it in other people. "'It's amazing what you can store in other people.' "'Miss Level laughed at Tiffany's expression.' I mean, I take what I don't need around to those who don't have a pig, or who are going through a bad patch, or who don't have anyone to remember them. But that means they'll owe you a favour. Right. And so it just keeps on going around. It all works out. I bet some people are too mean to pay. Not pay, said Miss Level severely. A witch never expects payment and never asks for it, and just hopes she never needs to. But sadly, you are right. And then what happens? What do you mean? You stop helping them, do you? Oh, no, said Miss Level, genuinely shocked. You can't not help people just because they're stupid or forgetful or unpleasant. Everyone's poor around here. If I don't help them, who will? Granny Aching, um, that is, my grandmother, said, someone has to speak up for them as has no voices, Tiffany volunteered after a moment. Was she a witch? "'I'm not sure,' said Tiffany. "'I think so, but she didn't know she was. "'She mostly lived by herself in an old shepherding hut up on the downs.' "'She wasn't a cackler, was she?' said Miss Level. "'And when she saw Tiffany's expression, she said hurriedly, "'Sorry, sorry, but it can happen when you're a witch who doesn't know it. "'You're like a ship with no rudder. "'But obviously she wasn't like that, I can tell. "'She lived on the hills and talked to them, "'and she knew more about sheep than anybody,' said Tiffany hotly. "'I'm sure she did. I'm sure she did. "'She never cackled. "'Good, good,' said Miss Level soothingly. "'Was she clever at medicine?' "'Tiffany hesitated. "'Um, only with sheep,' she said, calming down. "'But she was very good. "'Especially if it involved turpentine. "'Mostly if it involved turpentine, actually. "'But always she was just there, "'even when she wasn't actually there.' "'Yes,' said Miss Level. "'You know what I mean?' said Tiffany. "'Oh, yes,' said Miss Level. "'Your granny aching lived down on the uplands.' "'No, no, no, up on the downland,' Tiffany corrected her. "'Sorry, up on the downland with the sheep, "'but people would look up sometimes, look up at the hills, "'knowing she was there somewhere, and say to themselves, "'What would granny aching do? "'Or what would granny aching say if she found out? "'Or... "'Is this the sort of thing Granny Aching would be angry about?' said Miss Level. "'Yes?' 
Tiffany narrowed her eyes. It was true. She remembered when Granny Aching had hit a peddler who'd overloaded his donkey and was beating it. Granny usually used only words, and not many of them. The man had been so frightened by her sudden rage that he'd stood there and taken it. It had frightened Tiffany, too. Granny, who seldom said anything without thinking about it for ten minutes beforehand, had struck the wretched man twice across the face in a brief blur of movement. And then news had got around all along the chalk. For a while, at least, people were a little more gentle with their animals. For months after that moment with the peddler, carters and drovers and farmers, all across the downs, would hesitate before raising a whip or a stick, and think, suppose Granny Aching is watching. But how did you know that? Tiffany asked. Oh, I guessed. She sounds like a witch to me, whatever she thought she was. A good one, too. Tiffany inflated with inherited pride. Did she help people? Miss Level added. The pride deflated a bit. The instant answer, yes, jumped onto her tongue, and yet... Granny Aching hardly ever came down off the hills, except for Hogswatch and the early lambing. You seldom saw her in the village, unless the peddler who sold jolly sailor tobacco was late on his rounds, in which case she'd be down in a hurry and a flurry of greasy black skirts to cadge a pipeful off one of the old men. But there wasn't a person on the chalk, from the baron down, who didn't owe something to Granny. And what they owed to her, she made them pay to others. She always knew who was short of a favour or two. She made them help one another, she said. She made them help themselves. In the silence that followed, Tiffany heard the birds singing by the road. You got a lot of birds here, but she missed the high scream of the buzzards. Miss Level sighed. Not many of us are that good, she said. If I was that good, we wouldn't be going to visit old Mr. Weevil again. Tiffany said, oh dear, inside. Most days included a visit to Mr. Weevil. Tiffany dreaded them. Mr. Weevil's skin was paper-thin and yellowish. He was always in the same old armchair, in a tiny room in a small cottage that smelled of old potatoes, and was surrounded by a more or less overgrown garden. He'd be sitting bolt upright, his hands on two walking sticks, wearing a suit that was shiny with age, staring at the door. "'I make sure he has something hot every day, although he eats like a bird,' Miss Level had said. "'And old widow Tussie down the lane does his laundry such as it is. "'He's ninety-one, you know.' "'Mr. Weevil had very bright eyes and chatted away to and at them "'as they tidied up the room. "'The first time Tiffany had met him, he'd called her Mary. "'Sometimes he still did so. "'And he'd grabbed her wrist with surprising force as she walked past. "'It had been a real shock, that claw of a hand suddenly gripping her. "'You could see blue veins under the skin. "'I shan't be a burden on anyone.' he said urgently. I got money put by for when I go. My boy Toby won't have nothing to worry about. I can pay my way. I want the proper funeral show, right, with the black horses and the plumes and the mutes and a knife and fork tea for everyone afterward. I've written it all down fair and square. Check in my box to make sure, will you? That witch woman's always hanging around here. Tiffany had given Miss Level a despairing look. She'd nodded and pointed to an old wooden box tucked under Mr. Weevil's chair. It had turned out to be full of coins, mostly copper, but there were quite a few silver ones. It looked like a fortune, and for a moment Tiffany wished she'd had as much money. "'There's a lot of coins in here, Mr. Weevil,' she'd said. Mr. Weevil relaxed. "'Ah, that's right,' he'd said. "'Then I won't be a burden.' 
Today Mr. Weevil was asleep when they called on him, snoring with his mouth open and his yellow-brown teeth showing. But he awoke in an instant, stared at them, and then said, "'My boy Dorby's coming to see I Saturday.' "'That's nice, Mr. Weevil,' said Miss Level, plumping up his cushions. "'We'll get the place nice and tidy.' "'He's done very well for himself, you know,' said Mr. Weevil proudly. "'Got a job indoors with no heavy lifting. "'He said he'll see I all right in my old age, but I told him, "'I told him I'd pay my way when I go, the old thing, "'the salt and earth and tuppence for the ferryman, too.' "'Today Miss Level gave him a shave. "'His hands shook too much for him to do it himself.' Yesterday she'd cut his toenails because he couldn't reach them. It was not a safe spectator sport, especially when one smashed a window pane. "'It's all in a box under my chair,' he said as Tiffany nervously wiped the last bits of foam off him. "'Just check for me, will you, Mary?' Oh, yes, that was the ceremony every day. There was the box and there was the money. He asked every time. There was always the same amount of money. Tuppence for the ferryman,' said Tiffany as they walked home. "'Mr. Weevil remembers all the old funeral traditions,' said Miss Level. "'Some people believe that when you die, you cross the river of death and have to pay the ferryman. "'People don't seem to worry about that these days. "'Perhaps there's a bridge now. "'He's always talking about his funeral. "'Well, it's important to him. "'Sometimes old people are like that. "'They'd hate people to think that they were too poor to pay their own funeral. "'Mr. Weevil would die of shame if he couldn't pay for his own funeral.' "'It's very sad, him being all alone like that. "'Something should be done for him,' said Tiffany. "'Yes, we're doing it,' said Miss Level. "'And Mrs. Tussie keeps a friendly eye on him.' "'Yes, but it shouldn't have to be us, should it?' "'Well, who should it have to be?' said Miss Level. "'Well, what about this son he's always talking about?' said Tiffany. "'Young Toby? He's been dead for fifteen years. "'And Mary was the old man's daughter. "'She died quite young.' Mr. Weevil is very short-sighted, but he sees better in the past. Tiffany didn't know what to reply, except it shouldn't be like this. There isn't a way things should be. There's just what happens and what we do. Well, couldn't you help him by magic? I see to it that he's in no pain, yes, said Miss Level. But that's just herbs. It's still magic. Knowing things is magical if other people don't know them. "'Yes, but you know what I mean,' said Tiffany, who felt she was losing this argument. "'Oh, you mean make him young again,' said Miss Level. "'Fill his house with gold. That's not what witches do. "'We see to it that lonely old men get a cooked dinner and cut their toenails,' said Tiffany, just a little sarcastically. "'Well, yes,' said Miss Level. "'We do what can be done. "'Mistress Weatherwax said you've got to learn that witchcraft is mostly about doing quite ordinary things.' "'And you have to do what she says,' said Tiffany. "'I listen to her advice,' said Miss Level coldly. "'Mistress Weatherwax is the head witch, then, is she?' "'Oh, no,' said Miss Level, looking shocked. "'Witches are all equal. "'We don't have things like head witches. "'That's quite against the spirit of witchcraft.' "'Oh, I see,' said Tiffany. "'Besides,' Miss Level added, "'Mistress Weatherwax would never allow that sort of thing.' Suddenly, things were going missing from the households around the chalk. This wasn't the occasional egg or chicken. Clothes were vanishing off washing lines. A pair of boots mysteriously disappeared from under the bed of Nosy Hines, the oldest man in the village. "'And they was damn good boots. They could walk home from the pub all by themselves if I but pointed they in the right direction. 
he complained to anyone who would listen, and they marched off with my old hat, too, and I just got he just as I wanted he, all soft and floppy. A pair of trousers and a long coat vanished from a hook belonging to abiding Swindell, the ferret keeper, and the coat still had ferrets living in the inside pockets. And who, who climbed through the bedroom window of Clem Doyne's and shaved off his beard, which had been so long that he could tuck it into his belt? Not a hair was left. He had to go around with a scarf over his face, in case the sight of his poor pink chin frightened the ladies. It was probably witches, people agreed, and made a few more curse nets to hang in their windows. However, on the far side of the chalk, where the long green slopes came down to the flat fields of the plain, there were big thickets of bramble and hawthorn. Usually these were alive with birdsong, but this particular one, the one just here, was alive with cussing. Ah, Crivens, will you no mind where you're putting your foot, you spavey? I cannot help it, it's nae easy being a knee. You think you got troubles? You want to be doon here in the boots? That old man Swindell couldn't have washed his feet in years. It's fair reeking doon here. Reeking, is it? Well, you try being in his pocket, them ferrets ne'er got to to gate to the lavy, if you get me meaning. Crivens, will you daft his no shut up? Why, hark at him, just cause you're up there in the heed, you think you know everything. For doon here you're nothing but deed wheat, pal. "'Aye, right, and I'm with the elbows on this one. "'Where'd you be if it wasn't for us carrying your wound? "'Who's you think you are? "'I'm rob anybody, Fiegel, as you can well enough, "'and I've had enough out of the lot of yous.' "'Okay, Rob, but it's real stuffy in here. "'Ach, and I'm fed up with the stomach complaining, too.' "'Gentlemen,' this was the voice of the toad. "'No one else would dream of calling the knack-mack Fiegel gentleman. "'Gentlemen, time is of the essence.' "'The cart will be here soon. You must not miss it.' "'We need more time to practice, Toad. "'We're walking like a fellow with knee bones in a serious case of the trots,' "'said a voice a little higher up than the rest. "'At least you are walking. That's good enough. "'I wish you luck, gentlemen.' "'There was a cry from farther along the thickets, "'where a lookout had been watching the road. "'The cart's coming down the hill!' "'Okay, lads,' shouted Rob anybody. "'Toad!' "'You look after Jeanie, you hear. "'She'll need a thinking laddie to rely on while I know there. "'Right, you scanners, it's do or die. "'You ken what to do. "'You lads on the ropes, pull us up new.' "'The bushes shook. "'Right. Pelvis, are you ready?' "'Aye, Rob. "'Knees. Knees. I said knees. "'Aye, Rob, but feets. "'Aye, Rob.' "'The bushes shook again. "'Right. Remember, right, left, right, left. "'Pelvis, knee, foot on the ground. "'Keep a spring in the step-feets. "'Are you ready? Hold together, boys. Walk!' "'It was a big surprise for Mr. Crabber, the carter. "'He'd been staring vaguely at nothing, "'thinking only of going home, "'when something stepped out of the bushes and into the road. "'It looked human, or rather, "'it looked slightly more human than it looked like anything else. "'But it seemed to be having trouble with its knees.' "'and walked as though they'd been tied together. "'However, the carter didn't spend too much time thinking about that "'because, clutched in one gloved hand that was waving vaguely in the air, "'was something gold. "'This immediately identified the stranger as far as the carter was concerned. "'He was not, as first sight might suggest, some old tramp to be left by the roadside, "'but an obvious gentleman down on his luck, "'and it was practically the carter's duty to help him. "'He slowed the horse to a standstill.' The stranger didn't really have a face. 
There was nothing much to see between the droopy hat-brim and the turned-up collar of the coat except a lot of beard. But from somewhere within the beard a voice said, "'Shut up, shut up, shut up! Will you all shut up when I'm talking?' <coughs> um, "'Good day to ye, Carter fellow, my old fellowy fellow. "'If ye'll gie us me uh, a lift as far as ye are going, "'we, uh, I'll gie ye this fine, shiny, golden coin.' "'The figure lurched forward and thrust its hand in front of Mr. Crabber's face. "'It was quite a large coin, and it was certainly gold.' It had come from the treasure of the old dead king who was buried in the main part of the Feagles Mound. Oddly enough, the Feagles weren't hugely interested in gold once they'd stolen it, because you couldn't drink it and it was difficult to eat. In the mound they mostly used the old coins and plates to reflect candlelight and give the place a nice glow. It was no hardship to give some away. The carter stared at it. It was more money than he'd ever seen in his life. If "'Sir, would like to hop on the back of the cart, sir,' he said, carefully taking it. "'Ach, right, you are, then,' said the bearded mystery man after a pause. "'Just a moment. This needs a wee bitty organising. "'Okay, yes, hands. You just grab the side of the cart, "'and you lefty leg you got to kind of sidle along. "'Ah, Craven, you got to bend. Bend, come on, get it right,' "'the hairy face turned to the carter. "'Sorry about this.' "'It said, "'I talked to my knees, but they didn't listen to me.' "'Is that right?' said the carter weakly. "'I have trouble with my knees in the wet weather. "'Goose grease works.' "'Ach, weel, these knees is going to get more than a greasing "'if I had to get doon there and sort them out,' snarled the hairy man. "'The carter heard various bangs and grunts behind him "'as the man hauled himself onto the tail of the cart. "'Okay, let's gee,' said a voice. "'We have not got all day.' "'And yous knees, you're sacked. "'Crivens, I'm walking like I've got a big touch of stoppies. "'You gee up to the stomach and send doon a couple of good knee-men.' "'The carter bit the coin thoughtfully as he urged the horse into a walk. "'It was such pure gold that he left tooth-marks. "'That meant his passenger was very, very rich. "'That was becoming very important at this point. "'Can you no go a wee bitty faster, my good man, my good man?' "'said the voice behind him after he'd gone a little way.' "'Ah, well, sir,' said the carter, "'see them boxes and crates. "'I've got a load of eggs, "'and those apples mustn't be bruised, sir, "'and then there's those jugs of—' "'There were some bangs and crashes behind him, "'including the sploosh that a large crate of eggs makes "'when it hits a road. "'You can give faster nuit,' said the voice. "'Hey, that was my—' Mr. Crabber began. "'I've got another one of the big wee gold coins for ye,' "'and a heavy and smelly arm landed on the carter's shoulder.' Dangling from the glove on the end of it was, indeed, another coin. It was ten times what the load had been worth. "'Oh, well,' said the carter, carefully taking the coin. "'Accidents do happen, eh, sir?' "'Aye, especially if I dinna think I'm going fast enough,' said the voice behind him. "'We, uh, I mean, I'm in a big hurry to get to young mountains, you can.' "'But I'm not a stagecoach, sir.' "'said the carter reproachfully "'as he urged his old horse into a trot. "'Stagecoochie! "'What's one of them things?' "'That's what you'll need to catch "'to take you up into the mountain, sir. "'You can catch one in two shirts, sir. "'I never go any farther than two shirts, sir. "'But you won't be able to get the stage today, sir.' "'Why not?' "'I've got to make stops at the other villages, sir, "'and it's a long way, "'and on Wednesdays it runs early, sir, "'and this cart can only go so far, sir, "'and if we... 
"'Aye, dinner catch yon coach to-day. "'I'll gie ye the hiding of your life,' growled the passenger. "'But if I do catch yon coach to-day, "'I'll gie ye five of them gold coins.' "'Mr. Crabber took a deep breath and yelled, "'Hi, hi ya! Get up, Henry!' "'All in all, it seemed to Tiffany, "'most of what witches did really was very similar to work. "'Dull work. "'Miss Level didn't even use her broomstick very much. "'That was a bit depressing.' It was all a bit, well, goody-goody. Obviously that was better than being baddy-baddy, but a little more excitement would be nice. Tiffany wouldn't like anyone to think she'd expected to be issued with a magic wand on day one, but, well, the way Miss Level talked about magic, the whole point of witchcraft lay in not using any. Mind you, Tiffany thought she would be depressingly good at not using any. It was doing the simplest magic that was hard. Miss Level patiently showed her how to make a shamble, which could more or less be made of anything that seemed a good idea at the time, provided it also contained something alive, like a beetle or a fresh egg. Tiffany couldn't get the hang of it. That was... annoying. Didn't she have the virtual hat? Didn't she have the first sight and second thoughts? Miss Tick and Miss Level could throw a shamble together in seconds, but Tiffany just got a tangle dripping with egg, over and over again. "'I know I'm doing it right, but it just twists up,' Tiffany complained. "'What can I do?' "'We could make an omelette,' said Miss Level cheerfully. "'Oh, please, Miss Level,' Tiffany wailed. Miss Level patted her on the back. "'It'll happen. Perhaps you're trying too hard. "'One day it'll come. The power does come, you know. "'You just have to put yourself in its path.' "'Couldn't you make one that I could just use for a while to get the hang of it?' "'I'm afraid I can't,' said Miss Level. A shamble is a very tricky thing. You can't even carry one around except as an ornament. You have to make it for yourself, there and then, right where and when you want to use it. Why? said Tiffany. To catch the moment, said the other part of Miss Level coming in. The way you tie the nuts, the way the string runs, the freshness of the egg, perhaps, and the moisture in the air, said the first Miss Level. The tension of the twigs and the kinds of things that you just happen to have in your pocket— at that moment. Even the way the wind is blowing, the first Miss Level concluded. All these things make a kind of... of picture of the here and now when you move them right. And I can't tell you how to move them because I don't know. But you do move them, said Tiffany, getting lost. I saw you. I do it, but I don't know how I do, said Miss Level, picking up a couple of twigs and taking a length of thread. Miss Level sat down at the table opposite Miss Level, and all four hands started to put a shamble together. "'This reminds me of when I was in a circus,' she said. "'I was walking out for a while with Marco and Falco, the flying pastrami brothers,' the other part of Miss Level went on. "'They would do triple somersaults fifty feet up with no safety net. What lads they were, as alike as two peas, and Marco could catch Falco blindfolded, why, for a moment, I wondered if they were just like me. She stopped, went a bit red on both faces and coughed. Anyway, she went on, one day I asked them how they managed to stay on the high wire, and Falco said, never ask the tightrope walker how he keeps his balance. If he stops to think about it, he falls off. Although, actually, he said it like this, never ask a tightrope walker 
because the lads pretended they were from Brindisi, you see, because that sounds foreign and impressive, and they thought no one would want to watch acrobats called the Flying Sydney and Frank Cartwright. Good advice, though, wherever it came from. The hands worked. This was not a lone Miss Level, a bit flustered, but the full Miss Level, all twenty fingers working together. Of course, she said, it can be helpful to have the right sort of things in your pocket. I always carry a few sequins. For the happy memories they bring back, said Miss Level from the other side of the table, blushing again. She held up the shamble. There were sequins, and a fresh egg in a little bag made of thread, and a chicken bone, and many other things hanging or spinning in threads. Each part of Miss Level put both its hands into the thread and pulled. The threads took up a pattern. Did the sequins jump from one thread to another? It looked like it. Did the chicken bone pass through the egg? So it seemed. Miss Level peered into it. She said, Something's coming. The stagecoach left two shirts half full and was well out over the plains when one of the passengers sitting up on the rooftop tapped the driver on the shoulder. "'Excuse me. Did you know there's someone trying to catch up to us?' he said. "'Bless you, sir,' said the driver, because he hoped for a good tip at the end of the run. "'There's nothing that can catch up to us.' Then he heard the screaming in the distance getting louder. "'Er, uh, I think he means to,' said the passenger as the carter's wagon caught up to them. "'Stop! Stop! For pity's sake, stop!' yelled the carter as he sailed past. But there was no stopping Henry. He'd spent years pulling the carrier's cart around the villages very slowly, and he'd always had this idea in his big horse head that he was cut out for faster things. He'd plodded along, being overtaken by coaches and carts and three-legged dogs, and now he was having the time of his life. Besides, the cart was a lot lighter than usual, and the road was slightly downhill here. All he was really having to do was gallop fast enough to stay in front. And finally, he'd nearly overtaken the stagecoach. Him, Henry. He only stopped because the stagecoach driver stopped first. Besides, the blood was pumping through Henry now, and there were a couple of mares and a team of horses pulling the coach, who he felt he'd really like to get to know, find out when was their day off, what kind of hay they liked, that kind of thing. The carter, white in the face, got down carefully and then lay on the ground and held on tight to the dirt. His one passenger who looked to the coach driver like some sort of scarecrow, climbed unsteadily down from the back and lurched towards the coach. "'I'm sorry we're full up,' the driver lied. They weren't full, but there was certainly no room for a thing that looked like that. "'Ach, and there was me willing to pay with gold,' said the creature. "'Gold such as this here,' it added, waving a ragged glove in the air. Suddenly there was plenty of space for an eccentric millionaire,' Within a few seconds he was seated inside, and, to the annoyance of Henry, the coach set off again. Outside Miss Level's cottage a broomstick was heading through the trees. A young witch, or at least someone dressed as a witch, it never paid to jump to conclusions, was sitting on its side saddle. She wasn't flying it very well. It jerked sometimes, and it was clear the girl was no good at making it turn corners, because sometimes she stopped jumped off and pointed the stick in a new direction by hand. When she reached the garden gate, she'd got off again quickly and tethered the stick to it with string. "'Nicely done, Petulia,' said Miss Level, clapping with all four hands. "'You're getting quite good.' "'Um, thank you, Miss Level,' said the girl, bowing. She stayed bowed and said, "'Um, oh, oh, dear.' Half of Miss Level stepped forward. 
Oh, I can see the problem, she said, peering down. Your amulet with the little owls on it is tangled up with your necklace of silver bats, and they've both got caught around a button. Just hold still, will you? Um, I've come to see if your new girl would like to come to the sabbats tonight, said the bent Petulia, her voice a bit muffled. Tiffany couldn't help noticing that Petulia had jewellery everywhere. Later she found that it was hard to be around Petulia for any length of time without having to unhook a bangle from a necklace or, once, an earring from an ankle bracelet. Nobody ever found out how that one happened. Petulia couldn't resist occult jewellery. Most of the stuff was to magically protect her from things, but she hadn't found anything to protect her from looking a bit silly. She was short and plump and permanently red-faced and slightly worried. Sabat, oh, one of your meetings,' said Miss Level. "'That would be nice, wouldn't it, Tiffany?' "'Yes,' said Tiffany, not quite sure yet. "'Some of the girls meet up in the woods in the evenings,' said Miss Level. "'For some reason the craft is getting popular again. "'That's very welcome, of course.' "'She said it as if she wasn't quite sure. "'Then she added, "'Petulia here works for Old Mother Blackcap over in Siddling Without. "'Specialises in animals. "'Very good woman with pig diseases. I, "'I mean, with pigs that have got diseases.' I don't mean she has pig diseases. It'll be nice for you to have friends here. Why don't you go? There, everything's unhooked. Petulia stood up and gave Tiffany a worried smile. Um, Petulia Gristle, she said, holding out a hand. Tiffany aching, said Tiffany, shaking it gingerly in case the sound of all the bangles and bracelets jangling together deafened everyone. Um, you can ride with me on the broomstick if you like, said Petulia. I'd rather not, said Tiffany. Petulia looked relieved but said... Um, do you want to get dressed? Tiffany looked down at a green dress. I am. Um, don't you have any gems or beads or amulets or anything? No, sorry, said Tiffany. Um, you must have at least a shamble, surely. Um, can't get the hang of them, said Tiffany. She hadn't meant the um, but around Petulia it was catching. Um, a black dress, perhaps? I don't really like black. "'I prefer blue or green,' said Tiffany. "'Um.' "'Um, oh, well, you're just starting,' said Petulia generously. "'I've been crafty for three years.' "'Tiffany looked desperately at the nearest half of Miss Level. "'In the craft,' said Miss Level helpfully. "'Which craft?' "'Oh.' "'Tiffany knew she was being very unfriendly, "'and Petulia, with her pink face, was clearly a nice person, "'but she felt awkward in front of her, and she couldn't work out why.' It was stupid, she knew. She could do with a friend. Miss Level was nice enough and she managed to get along with Oswald, but it would be good to have someone around her own age to talk to. Well, I'd love to come, she said. I know I've got a lot to learn. The passengers inside the stagecoach had paid good money to be inside on the soft seats and out of the wind and the dust, and therefore it was odd that so many got out at the next stop and went and sat on the roof. The few who didn't want to ride up there, or couldn't manage the climb, sat huddled together on the seat opposite, watching the new traveller like a group of rabbits watching a fox and trying not to breathe. The problem wasn't that he smelled of ferrets. Well, that was a problem, but compared to the big problem it wasn't much of one. He talked to himself. That is, bits of him talked to other bits of him. All the time. Ah, it's fair bogging doon here. I'm telling you, I'm sure it's my turn to be up in a heed. Ah, Alicia's people are all cushy in their stomach. It's us in the legs that have got to do all the work. At which the right hand said, Legs? Yes, dinner know the meaning of the word work. 
You're to driving stuck in a glove. Ach, blow this for a game of soldiers. I'm going to stretch my legs. In horrified silence, the other passengers watched one of the man's gloved hands drop off and walk around on the seat. I wheel it's nae picnic doon here in a trousers neither. I'm going to get some fresh air in right noo. Daft, Willie, don't you dare do that. The passengers, squeezing even closer together, watched the trousers with terrible fascination. There was some movement, some swearing under the breath in a place where nothing should be breathing, and then a couple of buttons popped, and a very small, red-headed blue man stuck his head out, blinking in the light. He froze when he saw the people. He stared. They stared. Then his face widened into a mad smile. "'Is folk all right?' he said desperately. "'That's great. Do not worry about me. I'm one of the... Opertickle allusions, ye ken. He disappeared back into the trousers, and they heard him whisper, I think I fooled him easily, no problemo. A few minutes later, the coach stopped to change horses. When it set off again, it was minus the inside passengers. They got off and asked for their luggage to be taken off too. No, thank you, they did not want to continue their ride. They'd catch the coach tomorrow, thank you. No, there was no problem in waiting here in this delightful little, um, "'Town of Dangerous Corner. Thank you. Goodbye.' "'The coach set off again, somewhat lighter and faster. "'It didn't stop that night. It should have done so, "'and the rooftop passengers were still eating their dinner in the last inn "'when they heard it set off without them. "'The reason probably had something to do with the big heap of coins "'now in the driver's pocket. "'Chapter 5. The Circle.' Tiffany walked through the woods while Petulia flew unsteadily alongside in a series of straight lines. Tiffany learned that Petulia was nice, had three brothers, wanted to be a midwife for humans as well as pigs when she grew up, and was afraid of pins. She also learned that Petulia hated to disagree about anything. So, parts of the conversation went like this. Tiffany said, "'I live down on the chalk.' And Petulia said, "'Oh, where do they keep all those sheep?' I don't like sheep much. They're so kind of baggy. Tiffany said, Actually, we're very proud of our sheep. And then you could stand back as Petulia reversed her opinions like someone trying to turn a cart around in a very narrow space. Oh, I didn't really mean I hate them. I expect some sheep are all right. We've got to have sheep, obviously. They're better than goats and woollier. I mean, I actually like sheep, really. Sheep are nice. Petulia spent a lot of time trying to find out what other people thought, so that she could think the same way. It would be impossible to have an argument with her. Tiffany had to stop herself from saying, the sky is green, just to see how long it would take for Petulia to agree. But she liked her. You couldn't not like her. She was restful company. Besides, you couldn't help liking someone who couldn't make a broomstick turn corners. It was a long walk through the woods. Tiffany had always wanted to see a forest so big that you couldn't see daylight through the other side, but now that she'd lived in one for a couple of weeks, it got on her nerves. It was quite open woodland here, at least around the villages, and not hard to walk through. She'd had to learn what maples and birches were, and she'd never before seen the spruces and firs that grew higher up the slopes. But she wasn't happy in the company of trees. She missed the horizons. She missed the sky. Everything was too close. Petulia chattered nervously. Old Mother Black Cat was a pig-borer, cow-shouter, and all-around veterinary witch. Petulia liked animals, especially pigs, because they had wobbly noses. 
Tiffany quite liked animals too, but no one except other animals liked animals as much as Petulia. So, what's this meeting about? she said to change the subject. Um, oh, it's just to keep in touch, said Petulia. Anagramma says it's important to make contacts. Anagramma's the leader then, is she? said Tiffany. Um, no. Witches don't have leaders, Anagramma says. Hmm, said Tiffany. They arrived at last at a clearing in the woods, just as the sun was setting. There were the remains of an old cottage there, now covered mostly in brambles. You might miss it completely if you didn't spot the rampant growth of lilac and the gooseberry bushes, now a forest of thorns. Someone had lived here once and had had a garden. Someone else now had lit a fire, badly, and they had found that lying down flat to blow on a fire because you hadn't started it with enough paper and dry twigs was not a good idea because it would then cause your pointy hat, which you had forgotten to take off, to fall into the smoking mess, and then, because it was dry, catch fire. A young witch was now flailing desperately at her burning hat, watched by several interested spectators. Another one, sitting on a log, said, "'Dimity hubbub, that is literally the most stupid thing anyone has ever done anywhere in the whole wide world, ever!' It was a sharp, not very nice voice, the sort most people used for being sarcastic with. "'Sorry, uh, Anagramma,' said Miss Hubbub, pulling off the hat and stamping on the point. "'I mean, just look at you, will you? You really are letting everyone down. Uh, sorry, Anagramma.' "'Um,' said Petulia. Everyone turned to look at the new arrivals. "'You're late, Petulia Gristle,' snapped Anagramma. "'And who's this?' Um, you did ask me to stop in at Miss Levels to bring the new girl, Anagramma, said Petulia, as if she'd been caught doing something wrong. Anagramma stood up. She was at least a head taller than Tiffany and had a face that seemed to be built backwards from her nose, which she held slightly in the air. To be looked at by Anagramma was to know that you'd already taken up too much of her valuable time. Is this her? Um, yes, Anagramma. Let's have a look at you, new girl. Tiffany stepped forward. It was amazing. She hadn't really meant to, but Anagramma had the kind of voice you obeyed. Uh, what is your name? Tiffany Aching, said Tiffany, and found herself saying her name as if she was asking permission to have it. Tiffany? That's a funny name, said the tall girl. My name is Anagramma Hawkin. Um, Anagramma works for, Petulia began. Works with, said Anagramma sharply, still looking Tiffany up and down. Um, sorry, works with Mrs. Earwig, said Petulia. But she... I intend to leave next year, said Anagramma. Apparently I'm doing extremely well. So, you're the girl who's joined Miss Level, are you? She's weird, you know. The last three girls all left very quickly. They said it was just too strange trying to keep track of which one of her was which. Which which was which, said one of the girls cheerfully. "'Anyone can do that pun, Lucy Warbeck,' said Anagramma, without looking around. "'It's not funny, and it's not clever.' She turned her attention back to Tiffany, who felt that she was being examined as critically and thoroughly as Granny Aching would check a ewe she might be thinking of buying. She wondered if Anagramma would actually try to open her mouth and make sure she had all her teeth. "'They say you can't breed good witches on chalk,' said Anagramma. All the other girls looked from Anagramma to Tiffany, who thought— Ha! Huh. So, witches don't have leaders, do they? But she was in no mood to make enemies. Perhaps they do, she said quietly. This did not seem to be what Anagramma wanted to hear. 
"'You haven't even dressed the part,' said Anagramma. "'Sorry,' said Bethany. "'Um, Anagramma says that if you want people to treat you like a witch, "'you should look like one,' Petulia said. "'Hmm,' said Anagramma, staring at Tiffany as if she'd failed a simple test. "'Then she nodded her head. "'Well, we all had to start somewhere.' "'She stood back. "'Ladies, this is Tiffany. "'Tiffany, you know Petulia, she crashes into trees.' Dimity Hubbub is the one with the smoke coming out of her hat so that she looks like a chimney. That's Gertruda Tiring. That's the hilariously funny Lucy Warbeck. That's Harrietta Bilk, who can't seem to do anything about the squint. And then that's Lulu Darling, who can't seem to do anything about the name. You can sit in for this evening, uh, Tiffany, wasn't it? I'm sorry you've been taken on by Miss Level. She's rather sad. Complete amateur. Hasn't really got a clue. "'Just bustles about and hopes. "'Oh, well, it's too late now. "'Gertruda, summon the world's four corners "'and open the circle, please.' "'Uh,' said Gertruda nervously. "'It was amazing how many people around Anagramma became nervous. "'Do I have to do everything around here?' said Anagramma. "'Try to remember, please. "'We must have been through this literally a million times.' "'I've never heard of the world's four corners,' said Tiffany. "'Really?' "'There's a surprise,' said Anagramma. "'Well, they're the directions of power, Tiffany, "'and I would advise you to do something about that name too, please.' "'But the world's round, like a plate,' said Tiffany. "'Um, you have to imagine them,' Petulia whispered. "'Tiffany wrinkled her forehead. "'Why?' she said. "'Anagramma rolled her eyes. "'Because that's the way to do things properly.' "'Oh!' "'You have done some kind of magic, haven't you?' Anagramma demanded. Tiffany was a bit confused. She wasn't used to people like Anagramma. "'Yes,' she said. All the other girls were staring at her, and Tiffany couldn't help thinking about sheep. When a dog attacks a sheep, the other sheep run away to a safe distance and then turn and watch. They don't gang up on the dog. They're just happy it's not them. End of CD 3